The energy sector was the best performing sector on all of Wall Street last year, ladies and gentlemen. The Dow Jones Oil and Gas Index was up an eye-popping 56% on the year. This year, eh, not so much, actually. Dow Jones Oil and Gas Index is down 3.5%, but we have the best in the business that's joining us today. Welcome, everyone, to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in sunny and hot Scottsdale, Arizona. But Toby, you look kind of cold today. I tell you, I don't understand. I'm freezing my ass <laughs> off here. I, you know, <laughs> if it gets below 50 degrees, there's like a, a winter chill warning and it's like 47 outside. So, oh I'll my goodness, out. we'll put that park on. Well, yeah. listen, we have today, we have a very special guest from Bloomberg. We have senior oil and gas analyst, Fernando Valley, who is joining us. And Fernando, I got to go right to you on this one. We, we woke today on today on Monday, being February 27th, and we hear the news about Russia cutting supplies to Poland. I figured if that was a green light to go long on oil, there wasn't what else would there be? But yet we saw the market up a little bit today with stocks, but we saw the oil, oil, uh, oil was down about 70 basis points today. What gives? Well, I think the economy for, for one. And then the big question is, is the China reopening all that it's cracked up to be, or is it going to be more of a dud than anything else? And, you know, Toby's cold, Toby's cold out there in Arizona, but overall, the, it's been a very mild winter in the Northern Hemisphere, and that really took a lot of the bullishness away from both oil and natural gas. Just as a reminder, you know, the Northeast uses a lot of oil for not just heat, but also power generation. And because we really haven't needed to dip into those resources, uh, it's been a lot uh, less of a of a uh, impactful winter than we expected. Hey, Fernando, so, Toby, down into, into some of your uh, twi Twitter tweets, um, one that caught my eye was something I got yesterday too. Is you know Devon Energy coming out and saying, "Hey, all of a sudden, you know, it's pretty expensive to drill this stuff, and at two dollar, you know, ish." MMT, uh, we're going to cut back. How, what's your call on this? Because that's a big issue. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I think our call has been that, A, the inventory is just not there for a lot of the shale players. And you've seen, for example, with Devon being a great example, just how much natural gas they produced versus oil from the Permian, which is supposed to be an oil-heavy play. Right. Um, and and, and, and that really impacts their profitability. It's not just that Henry Hub is down, but Waha, which is where they actually sell their natural gas, is down even further. Uh, you know, at points back in the 2019, it was negative because there isn't enough pipeline capacity to get that gas to consuming centers. And when we look forward, there's a lot of investment in the permit, rightfully so. But um, there's also a huge amount of natural gas coming out because a lot of these producers are going further and further out. Uh, and as you step away, you produce more gas. The core is also aging. So you also produce more gas than uh, you do in the early years. Right, so that needs more pipeline. And, and that will decrease the, the returns for most of those producers out there that don't have pipeline access. Well, you know, what's interesting is obviously, you know, in the Marcellus, uh, the, uh, I, I call them the natural gas Covidians. They haven't quite figured out that they have the largest gas field in the world and they won't build a pipeline. That's not the problem, you know, in Texas to, to Arizona to California. That pipeline just broke down, right? And, and so all of a sudden, California was stuck. But we've been big investors in infrastructure for natural gas. USA Compressors is one of our big home runs in the last couple of years. Nobody quite realizes that 
None of this stuff moves without that 10 horse, thousand horsepower uh, compressor. Uh, and I, definitely you know, not in New made. York. Go ahead. If you definitely not in New York, if you think about how power prices have uh, in, been in New York and in New England, and again, that was part of our call earlier. Uh, well, last year, really, that diesel was going to blow out because you can't get new pipelines through New York. And that's leading power to go exponentially higher in New England, especially in times that renewables don't produce. Yeah. And let's be honest, solar in Massachusetts, it doesn't really move the needle that much, especially in the winter. Uh, and Have then, you ever been to Boston in the winter? Oh my God. Exactly. And if I you mean, Todd's in Buffalo. They, they, they're going to start installing solar in like 2065, I think. I <laughs> We haven't seen the sun in months. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you have a fake tan, which I don't understand. But Fernando, <laughs> the, the second question I have for you is um, you've talked about North Africa. All of a sudden, North Africa is now the, the biggest exporter of, of oil and natural energy. Really? Aren't they just getting it from Russia, repackaging it and sending it out again? Yeah, that certainly happens in the Middle East as well, uh, where they have uh, large refineries and crude oil and they they blend and they uh, then re-export that out to different markets. Uh, and you know, early it's been a year now of the Ukraine invasion, and early on uh, there were already movements of, on the crude side where mm -hmm. you, you could, you know, the Middle Eastern countries could buy Russian crude, refine it, and then it was no longer Russian crude; it was Saudi gasoline, Saudi diesel, and that no longer uh, had an effect on sanctions. So that's been a, a prevalent issue. It just raises the cost to the Western side of the equation. It does reduce revenues for Russia. And anyone that tells you that it doesn't is, is lying because as you, any, anyone who's ever bought, uh, we were talking about Argentina, who's ever yeah. been to a place that has price controls, it does create parallel markets and the cost to insure is higher, the cost to move is higher. So you get a deeper discount, but it's not zero, which is yeah. ultimately the, the, the objective of the sanctions. Well, we've been long every crude tanker and every clean product tanker uh, stock available simply because you know my business we call it transformity research and we try to focus on secular transformations that create supply demand imbalances omg take 500 tankers off of the uh, off of the market and put them into the russian fleet or the shadow fleet and then some of these uh, you know these delivery uh, uh, paths are now uh, you know a thousand kilometers farther or two thousand kilometers, and our, our rates for tankers literally doubled and then doubled again. These guys don't know what to do with the cash because the LNG you know manufacturing has taken all the space at the shipyards. They're maybe getting a few they ordered a couple of years ago, but how long do you think that demand supply imbalance is going to be with product and then product tankers for crying out loud? I mean, they're printing money. Well, if you look at shipping stocks, and I, this is really me venturing to a former life where I, I did transportation finance. Oh, did uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, from 2008 until, you know, I would say uh, 2018, 2019, it was a really dire time to be oh, a ship was... owner. Everything but ultra deep water rigs, it was really painful. Right. And uh, the, the, the pricing there in 2008 took a haircut of 50 to 70%, depending on what type of, vessel you owned um and yeah, so i call that a that, really shitty market here that's how you know that's how scientific yeah. <laughs> uh, I, i'm still learning english i didn't I, I, that, that word's not in my vocabulary <laughs> merda okay merda 
they'll, they'll, they'll pass muster. Um, but uh, yeah. I guess the, the point is you're correct. I mean, and I think that the biggest risk there is really just the economy again. As you said, there the shipyards have been constrained everywhere uh, for a really long time. The capacity came off in that period. They all at first turned into, uh, you know, drilling rig manufacturers. And right, then obviously right. in 2015, that went away. So it's a very boom bust industry. And I think right now you have tailwinds and you talk about LNG, but just think about Boston used to import uh, cargoes from essentially Russia every year. And now those cargoes have to be exported and re-exported in order to get into Boston because of sanctions. And then, of course, we have to bring a lot more natural gas through LNG to uh, to Europe as they, they close out the pipeline. So talking about tailwinds in the in the in a in a sector, that seems to be a, certainly an interesting one. All right. So let's talk net gas prices. WTF. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when are we go I ahead, mean, is the floor in? Is Freeport LNG shipping gonna change anything? Give us the inside scoop, brother. Well, I think the you know, winter's nearly over. Yeah. We're, we're going to get some cold. And so it, it, it's really going to, to, to move now with, with just overall economic demand and then Freeport, as you mentioned, coming back on. Um, is the floor there? I mean, you're talking about loss small numbers now uh, when it gets to the two. So it's hard to say, is it going to yeah. be two or is it going to be 180? But right, right. You know, uh, the law not, of small the, numbers. I forgot that. That's yeah. a good. That's a good way to say it. God, it went down ten percent. Well, that was ten cents. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think overall, when we look forward, we tend to be constructive on, on the environment because, as we said, there is a the acreage out in, in the shale world is not as good as was once believed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we keep missing estimates on the oil side, and yes, at first that means we're producing more natural gas. But then, as you saw uh, with the Baker Hughes uh, rig report last week, we're also starting to drill less. And of course, natural gas producers, as you said in the Marcellus, they need more pipelines. And the issue that we have is not that we can't produce enough natural gas, it's that we can't move it to the right places. And so bases are going to be uh, wildly different. And again, I mentioned New England because Boston Harbor natural gas is significantly higher than Herney Hub. So you will have all these dislocations in bases uh, where you can um, arbitrage those differences. And then just as you go towards uh, more renewables that are intermittent, you're going to need gas. It's just going to change how we use the peakers. Yeah, I mean, the base load issue obviously doesn't go away. I, you know, as an anecdote, I have an investment or wealth client up in Connecticut. And uh, she sent me a text and says, Am I dreaming? My gas price, you know, bill went up, you know, to 350 bucks for my 1,400 square foot house in Connecticut. It used to be 100 bucks. Um, and she called into their system, and actually Arizona, so they have some wholesale deals up there. And now her bill is 125 bucks because she's getting her, her energy from her natural gas from a wholesaler in Arizona. Now is Connecticut the only one doing that? I've seen that in Europe. I've seen that in other places, but. Uh, what, what do we tell people whose gas bills? Of course, now they're coming down, so you know maybe it's too late. Well, we're we're telling them we're going to uh, get rid of your gas stoves and your gas heating and go to electricity, <laughs> right. uh, which of yes, course is uh, going to be generated by natural gas too. Right, Toby. Uh, that's that's a Toby. That's a New York thing. You you may not have heard that yet. Okay. Well, I'm from <laughs> California originally, and California is the one who said when you build a new building today, we're not going to uh, put a natural gas uh, pipe into your building. 
And uh, and then when they go and they can't get electricity for five days, they say we may have been hasty on that. And and why well, you know, I. I I saw a bumper sticker uh, driving around New York. It said gas stoves are evil. So, you know, you talk about the um, the finger pointing. But listen, guys, let's leave this block right here because I do want to – Fernando is going to stay with us going into the next block. And uh, we do have some very specific questions, particularly about this talk coming out of the White House about maybe – Maybe pulling some of our uh, SPR, some of the reserves out of the SPR. If that's the case, what can we expect for oil prices in the short term? So please stick with us here on Buy, Hold, Sell. We'll be right back after the break. Buy, Hold, Sell Live, brought to you by Transformity Research. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Knight. Through a roller coaster journey, journey of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Buy, Hold, Sell. Today is Monday, February 
27th. We saw the Dow Jones Industrial Average up just a little bit, but we actually saw oil drop. And we have the best in the business with us, Fernando Valley, Senior Oil and Gas Analyst at Bloomberg. And on Bloomberg, if you are a terminal member, you will be able to look up Fernando's articles. He had a great article today, um, and we're going to get into that a little bit. But, Fernando, one quick question for you. There is some talk right now uh, coming out of, out of the White House that we might be tapping into our SPR. You would expect that we would see gas prices drop. But they haven't budged at all, actually. Actually, they've been kind of creeping higher, according to AAA. Do you expect gas prices to, to maybe, maybe uh, I guess, uh, decrease over the next couple of months until we get into that peak driving season? Yeah, I think we're, we're going to see, uh, there's a conjecture point where we switch. There's a, you, you, in the winter, you make a certain kind of gasoline, and then it yeah. switches into summer grade. And we're just about at that point. And so the, the refiners and, and the midstream companies are going to burn through that inventory so they can make space for the new uh, summer components. That tends to happen around this time, uh, early March. And then we also get refineries coming out of maintenance, uh, which should increase utilization. One of the big issues that's holding up uh, oil prices right now is margins are elevated because we aren't getting a lot of supply from refineries. And the last part is the oil price and uh, how it goes there. And I think there's still a lot of expectations that China will lead to higher demand. Uh, if that tends to ease, then we'll certainly see a drop in oil prices. You know, a simple math, but uh, WTI is $75. So 10% move in WTI is $7.5 a barrel. Uh, a margin on gasoline is only $22. So a 10% move there is only $2 a barrel. So it's a lot more significant to have a move in the oil price than on the refining margin per cent. That is a great point. I'm going to shift quickly to your uh, Petrobras. We, uh, you know, dipped into it when it crashed and we got our, I don't know what I think our cost basis is eight bucks on the preferred and it's, we've already gotten $8 in dividends. I mean, it seems like, but so help me, is it, it are, are, are they just battling it out every day for who's in control and who, what dividend? Because they can't, the Brazilian government can't live without their freaking 62% of that dividend, right? They they shouldn't, but they, the, with the new government, they'll certainly try. Yeah. And I think you'll, they'll have a really hard time justifying uh, that kind of dividend to their, to their base, uh, at least in the short term. And they'll find, they'll try to find other ways. So the way they abused Petrobras in the past, is as a as a, the center of investments, building refineries, building ethanol plants, mm-hmm. buying power plants, and so if I had to be uh, to guess, that's where I think they would probably go next. And they've talked about building refineries. I think that's an awful idea. Uh, Brazil spent forty billion dollars on five refineries, and they built half of one. Uh, so it didn't really do much for the country. Um, so I would hope that they would. Instead, focus on the pre-salt because that is by far the best resource outside of the Permian in the world right now. Yeah. And, and tell our, our listeners about the pre-salt. I, I was down there a few years ago uh, out on a rig, and these guys were working 24 by 7, seven days a week, making some serious, serious cash, uh, and they have nowhere to spend it, you know. They get the, they go online and they start gambling because that was the only thing they could do with their with their you know one hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year you know equivalent deals. But the pre salt is how many years or how many decades have you ever even got close to? Yeah, it? yeah. Uh, the, so the discoveries were originally made in two thousand five, and it was one of the fastest developments in offshore ever. 
And when they were, when I first started in oil and gas, they were supposed to produce 15,000 barrels a day per right. well. And they average over 30 for most wells. And they actually had a well right now producing 47,000 barrels a day, which is insane. It's just a great, great rates. Uh, Don't the they call that a gusher? Isn't it scientific name? Gushers. Yes, gushers. It's yeah. all gushers all around. And uh, yeah. the best part has been that the decline has been much lower than expected. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to be 10% per annum. The first uh, main field uh, to P, um, the decline was closer to three to four percent. There was some mitigation, but very, very low declines, and and that's brought the cost again. The cost was supposed to be at first twenty dollars a barrel to extract, just on lifting costs of the, the cost, cost, just yeah. to remove it, uh, and eventually, and now it's closer to in some fields three and a half. Um, yeah, more, I, three and a half is the number four. I saw recently, which is mind blowing when you can then uh, send it to your refinery and mark that up and ship that out at high prices while the local guys writer or have price controls. I mean, I don't know, $78 billion of dividends in two years has to be a record. Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly uh, turned the ship around. If you remember in 2015, they were the most indebted company in the world. Yeah. And they've done that on the back of paying back an insane amount of debt. And they sold a lot of assets. They no longer are uh, in the ethanol business. They've uh, significantly decreased their exposure to fuel retail uh, and to um, distribution in general. Uh, and they've really been trying to focus on, on, on the oil and gas production side. Um, but there's some uh, thoughts that they should be more involved in. It should be an arm of the government rather than a private company. So bottom line, the show's called Buy, Sell, Hold. So... Um, buy, hold, sell. Oh, buy, that's right. Sell. I always get it messed up. <laughs> I've only done 500 of these shows. That, um, <laughs> what, what do we do with PBR for now? Well, I, I'm going to have to cop out because I'm not allowed to give recommendations. Oh, I apologize. Uh, okay. But uh, I'll say that uh, it's a, it's a definitely a stock that has a company that has one of the most attractive asset bases. And the main concerns there are really about the governance and their capital allocation, yeah. uh, because the resource itself, they're in an envious position that they have uh, really low cost production and resources to grow for, for, for a uh, long time. Well, we're also long, you know, one of the Guiana players, smaller players, et cetera, because they have the same, you know, salt type stuff. That's amazing. I would have studied geology more if I knew that I was going to be, you know, making all this money on, on that <laughs> energy. But I'm married to a petroleum geologist, so I've I've learned some just via via chatting. Always the most optimistic person in the room. Yeah, no question, no question, no question. All right, what else, well, this, Tati? Well, this is great. Well, I gotta say, Fernando, I mean, your your articles are very popular on the Bloomberg Terminal. We all we always uh, recommend uh, all of our the entire audience to check them out. If you are a Bloomberg member, you definitely want to want to subscribe to Fernando's thoughts on, on the oil and gas industry because he definitely he's definitely the best of the best that's out there right now. So, Fernando, we want, really want to thank you for joining us today on Buy, Hold, Sell. This was sensational. We know the audience will be able to, uh, to, be able to look you up and be able to, to obviously, uh, we'll, we'll be posting some other information, uh, some other quotes from, uh, from your articles as well. So uh, this was great. So, yeah, so on don't, behalf, don't forget, Todd. Yeah, go ahead. O-O-T-T. O-O-T-T. What's it stand for? Fernando knows. I don't know. It's it's the Organization of Oil uh, Trading Tweets. 
That is for the audience. That is yeah. inside baseball stuff. That's yeah. big time knowledge. You're not going to get that anywhere. You're not going to get that on any of the financial that's channels. That's true. Except for here. So that's fantastic. So listen, on behalf of Fernando Valley and Tobin Schmidt, I am Todd Schoenberger. Thank you again for joining us today on Buy, Hold, Sell. We'll catch you next time. Take care. I want you to smash that like button. (laughs) A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.